morning. It's good to be back. Um, we are helping take care of a 91-year-old man and a 94-year-old wife of the man. And uh, the man is already, uh, his memory is, most of it is lost. And uh, a few days ago, his wife was uh, brought to another facility because she needed rest. And uh, she looked for the two women in his life. And he said, uh, where are they? He couldn't even remember uh, the name. I know, uh, I know that uh, her, uh, her knee was hurting, and probably she's in the horizon. And she wa- he was not very sure, you know, what does that mean, horizon? So, you know what, I'm not yet in the horizon, I'm back, okay, so. <laughs> Retired, <laughs> but not in the horizon. <laughs> But uh, when I read uh, at the internet that uh, Pastor Bill needed some, uh, some help, you know, uh, without delay, I sent my name. I didn't know that he was leaving for Burkina Faso. So it's good to, you know, I, I love this man. This, you know, he's, he's a brother in the Lord. Uh, okay, let's go to the Word of God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, just want to thank you for your word, and I pray that it will be like a, a living water to our soul. Feed us, quench our thirst, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, loving in an evil world. <clears throat> you, you read about a lot of stories these days. This is not a safe place to live in, the world we're living in. Uh, you go to school and somebody else comes and you know with a gun and kills a lot of your classmates. Um, I read uh, yesterday about uh, in South Africa uh, they're changing the constitution so that they can take away all the land that the white people have had for the last 600 years. Uh, in uh, in Syria, you know, the bombing is still going on. Uh, Ottawa is quite a peaceful place to live in. We thank God for that. But you never know. We live in a place that is not very safe for us. But God has challenged us to love in an evil world. So let me... Um, redirect that topic by asking these three questions. Is loving the solution to the evil in the world? That brings us to our own convictions, whether we want that for our life or we want to do that. Will that be a good direction for us? Number two, loving the world... Is that for me too? Isn't that just for the pastor? Isn't that just for Eastgate Alliance Church? Uh, Maybe please consider me out of that. Third question is, am I running away from loving? You know what? It's easy to run away from loving. It's 
probably easier not to love than to love, right? Agree? It's easier not to love than to love. If we're spiritually lazy, you know, it's easy to say yes. But if we are committed to something that is worthwhile, oh yes. And like Jesus, probably we will also say, I'm even willing to die for that. At the end of the sermon, we will go back to these questions and uh, see what we can do as far as our application is concerned. Next, please. And so we go to the Word of God. Paul says uh, to, uh, to Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Oftentimes, we go into the sermon without reading God's Word. I think it's good to read God's Word. In the old tradition, we usually stand when we read God's Word. So, uh, although we're not reading it from the pages, but you know what? It's easier probably to read it uh, while it's on screen. Let's all rise, please, and let's read God's Word together. A teacher of the law came up and tried to trap Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to receive eternal life? Jesus answered him, what do the scriptures say? What do you interpret them? The man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You are right, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But the teacher of the law wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus answered, there was once a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when robbers attacked him, stripped him and beat him up, leaving him half dead. It is so that a priest was going down that road But when he saw the man, he walked on by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite also came there, went over and looked at the man, and then walked on by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was traveling the way came upon the man, and when he saw him, his heart was filled with pity. He went over to him, poured oil and wine on his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own animal and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Take care of him, he told the innkeeper, and when I come back this way, I will pay you whatever else you spend on him. And Jesus concluded, in your opinion, which one of these three acted like a neighbor toward the man attacked by the robbers? The teacher of the law answered, the one who was kind to him. Jesus replied, you go then and do the same. Thank you. Please be seated. (coughs) Next, please. If we uh, kind of summarize the whole passage, uh, you will probably uh, discover this. That in an evil world, as portrayed in the story, you will find uh, four kinds of people. There will be the evildoers, and that's represented by the robbers who attacked the, the man. There will be the victim, 
is the one who was attacked and was left for half dead. And there is the indifferent, the way they respond to the situation, represented by the Levite and uh, the priest. And then this is coming from the most unexpected places of all people. The one who was despised is almost like a miracle that you could expect someone to be able to love like this from a Samaritan? Really? God can create something beautiful, wonderful out of a place where you know it is unexpected that something will great good can come out of that. And we call him the lover, the healer, and the support. You know, this is the innkeeper. You, we don't usually kind of uh, put that aside, the innkeeper. But you know, he plays a very important role in the healing of this man. Because the Samaritan left him in, in the care of this innkeeper. So here we have... In in the ministry of healing, there is this one who is actively there at the forefront. But also there's a support group, the innkeeper. Isn't this wonderful that in an evil world, while you find the evildoer, the the chaos in life, the pain in life, uh, uh, while others just look from a distance, somebody else comes up and says, you know what, I'm I'm willing to help, is the healer. Let's define further the words <clears throat> uh, evildoer. Who is the evildoer? The evildoer is, is a man who uh, his love is so disfigured with pain that he wants to destroy love and others. Uh, I remember when I was about... Uh, 13, uh, 14 years old, maybe. I am the eldest in the family. Next to me was uh, a brother, is a brother, two years younger. I do not know where I got the idea that I need to be some kind of a teen god in the family. But of all uh, the other siblings, uh, the next to me was my uh, arch enemy. I do not know how it happened, but maybe I was insecure. Uh, Somehow I got to fight with him frequently. And in one instance, uh, I got so mad with him, I took his head, banged on the wall. He slumped on the floor. And he said, at the time I was already a Christian in high school. And he said, is that what a Christian is? Ah, you know, having this new nature in my in my heart, I, I heard that and it, wow, it was like a, a jackhammer in my heart. It was too painful to bear and I couldn't handle that. And I said, you, you are like a devil. You know, I was convicted and my response was, you are like a devil. Who is the evildoer at that time? Please, <laughs> I couldn't handle it at that time. Later, when we were 
uh, you know, uh, graduate from college already. I remember that, and uh, God was working, you know, some a few things in my own life, and I remember what I did to him, and I asked him, uh, I said, Jeremy, will you, uh, you know, you remember that day, you know, please forgive me, <laughs> and he forgave me. Next one, uh, the, the, uh, the victim. <clears throat> the victim, he is scared or scarred with fear and or anger. He may have difficulty trusting and loving again. Or he could become another evildoer. Many victims choose to be silent because they have no voice or are powerless. When I was about uh, seven years old, grade, maybe eight years old, grade five, I had a fight with a classmate, and I came home with a black eye. My father saw it, and he got mad, got his belt, and struck me several times. And so now I had a a black eye and a few welts around my back. Uh, Who is the victim? I was, I was victimized, doubly victimized. Well, I was a hero at first, even with a black eye, but now uh, with the welts around my body, I was no longer the hero. I was someone to be pitied. Well, I just kept that in my heart. What would have been the result of that in my life? Well, I had a, I had this, uh, I carried the feeling that uh, maybe I should not be, that I became, became afraid of leaders. When a leader calls me, even if he were a pastor, you know, there's that initial fear that creeps in my heart. What would you tell? Maybe I did something wrong. Next, please. Indifferent. <clears throat> he chooses his personal convenience uh, so he can evade the inconvenience of loving. If repeated, it can make the heart dead or unresponsive to God's love. <clears throat> his silence enables the perpetrator. The, the priest and the Levites were the epitome of religious Perfection among the Jews. They were in charge of the temple. If there was a model for uh, obedience to the law and, uh, you know, uh, someone who would represent God to the best that humanity can, it it would be the priest and, uh, and the Levites. They serve in the temple. But at that time, in spite of all their training, they come face to face with this man who was lying on the road, half dead. They chose to look the other way. They chose to find another path which was not there. You know, making a new path so that they wouldn't have to look at squarely on this man who was lying on the road. 
because it meant that it will be inconvenient. If they were going home, it means that they have to be home. They have to be with their family. It means that if this man is not just half dead, but dead, that somehow when, when they touch the body, the dead body, if he were dead, that they would become unclean, and therefore that the next day they will have to find a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, in order to re-cleanse them spiritually, and so that they can serve in the temple again. In the meanwhile, if they have to find that animal, they have to spend something so that they can have it, or if they have it in the flock, why should I... Uh, spend something, you know, uh, for somebody else's fault, uh, not my fault, and so on. So I'm, I'm forcing myself into this very inconvenient, expensive event in my life. I don't have to do it. Indifference. And if our response to a need is always like that, the, the, the result is that we train our hearts to, to be hardened. Once I was uh, riding on a jeep, I was in the front seat. Uh, I was going to a ministry uh, in college. And uh, I saw a woman lying uh, on the asphalt road. Not a woman, but a girl. Maybe about seven years old. I was wondering why he, she was... This is noon time. And the jeep that I was riding on just went on. Nobody stopped. I said, what's happening? You know, there's a little blood on her forehead. She's lying in the middle of the road. Our jeep went on. I thought about that. About myself. About my response. Why did not I tell, ask at least the jeepney what happened? The, 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 the driver what happened? Why didn't I get down to help? Why was I paralyzed? There was a need there. Why was I not there? And all the rest of the people were just walking unmindful what was happening but for me maybe it was the first time to see something like this but you know what in my uh, in my vain imagination sometimes I, I imagine myself uh, jumping into the river if it was a beautiful girl who is drowning and I would uh, I see myself Jumping. Oh, <laughs> this is movie. <laughs> but here, you know, an actual event is taking place and I'm not able to imagine myself like the Samaritan man giving aid. It's something evil in my heart. Let's go on. <clears throat> so let's summarize that one. Uh, before we go into that, what about the lover? The lover is one who heals and restores the broken hearts so they can love again. Maybe there's a new description for us. A lover is one who heals and restores the broken hearts so they can love again. I gathered that from the Samaritan man. So let's summarize that. Next, please. <clears throat> So God's goal here 
I think, is for God to heal every one of us. Wherever we find ourselves, we find, we, uh, we find ourselves caught doing evil. Or we are victims. Or that our response generally to pain is to be indifferent. And that God wants us to become lovers too. Just like His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is like the Samaritan man. Is that what we want in life? Yeah. I'm an evildoer. I do some evil sometimes. But you know what? I want God to heal me. I want to be a lover too. I've been victimized, but I don't like to stay where I am now. I want to be healed too. Or if I'm indifferent, you know, I ask God, God, I want to be a lover too. Next. So I would like to describe now what love is as demonstrated by the Samaritan. There are seven uh, descriptions that I have discovered about the love of the Samaritan. Number one, love is exceptional. Uh, Formerly, I used the word uh, supernatural. But if it is supernatural, then we will not be able to do it. Only God can do it. God expects us to love. And this is the agape love. Uh, we think that it is, you know, super special in, in the sense that, in the sense that uh, it is extraordinary. It is uncommon. But it is not impossible. Because the love, uh, the word agape is just one of those rare words that is also, that also describes one of the loves in the Greek alphabet anyway. Um, what is common is uh, the love between uh, lovers, eros. What is common is love between friends, Philadelphia. Uh, what is uh, common is love between family members, Storge. What is not common in, in, in so many cultures and, and relationships is that one will love someone f- for the sake of that person because, because you know, I, I honor that person. I, I should love him because he's so important to me. Therefore, I will love him. Therefore, I will commit my, myself to him. Okay. In that sense, it is exceptional. It is not limited by anything except that, you know, I I love you. So uh, here we have this man, this Samaritan man, uh, doing something that is exceptional. Who was the man on the road? Was he a Jew? This road is from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jericho is, is the hometown of the priests and the Levites. After work, that's where they go home. We took that road, uh, me and uh, George, down to Jericho from Jerusalem. 
our Joe, uh, driver was crazy, you know, he just took off, you know, like mad. In the, at about 9 o'clock in the evening, at uh, more than 100 kilometers per hour, oh, he has to tell our driver, you know, slow down, we will crash. <laughs> if he were a Jew, why would a Samaritan care for him? Because the Jews were exceptionally uh, criticized and uh, looked down by the Jews. That's right. By the, uh, yeah. the Samaritans were looked down by the Jews. If you were treated that way, will you be so nice to your to this one who hates you, who looks down on you, who criticizes you, you know, one who makes you feel bad about yourself? Will you be nice to him? Probably you'll be smarting in your heart, you know, and it will be very difficult to help him. Somehow, somehow the Samaritan did not respond in an evil way to the way, you know, that the Jews treated him. Even if he were not a Jew, he was just a stranger. What connection does he have with the stranger to be so nice to him? So in this sense, caring for this man is very exceptional. Love is like that. It's extraordinary. It's uncommon. There is something in our hearts that God wants to retrieve. And that is that he has planted in our hearts that uncommon virtue of agape, love. Where, where do we find it? In your heart. Where, which part of your heart? Jesus. It's in Jesus. We have a, a neighbor. He, and he keeps a big dog. What's it called? A rotelier? A dog? A huge one. <clears throat> uh, he... He smokes marijuana, you know, you smell it all over the place. He, uh, his music is loud. Boom, 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 boom. And we're just across the hall. Okay. Ah, uh, my wife, you know, keeps bugging me. And, ah. Now I have two enemies, that man and my wife. <clears throat> I said, if I don't do anything about this, you know what? I'll go to prison. <clears throat> ah, praise God! You know, we had several attempts to um, tone down the music, you know, become his friend, and so on. And uh, my daughter, uh, after her marriage, her wedding, you know, he, she knocked on the door and says. Uh, hello, you know, I just got married. I have this uh, few cuts of cake. You know, I would like to share this with you. Wow. Extraordinary attempt. Next, please. 
Love is unconditional. No conditions attach. Do we have preset conditions so we can love? He must be an alliance so I can love him. Pentecostal? Uh-uh. Baptist? Uh-uh. Black? Uh-uh. White? Mm. Much more. Just, you know, just check your heart, you know. Next one. Love is personal. You know, this man went to him and bandaged his wounds and poured oil and wine. They are simple acts. Just the acts of the hands. This hands-on care brings to shame the impersonal notes we put on Facebook. You know, uh, happy birthday. Yeah. It's so easy to write that down, right? Or somebody dies, you say, condolence. We're praying for you. Uh, my brother's father-in-law just died and he received this letter. My brother's name is Winston and on Facebook... He, he received a note from one of his classmates in the past, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, bro, uh, Brother Winston, I heard that you died. <clears throat> oh, boy. <clears throat> ah, I pray for your family. Uh, you know, love has to be personal. Uh, the man who was lying on the road, he, he hears this whisper, you know, from the Samaritan man. He says, don't you worry, I'm here. I'm not going to leave you. You hear that, okay? That would be next to God's voice that will be the most wonderful voice you'll ever hear. Uh, I was 25 years old. So part of this story is really my story. Okay. And I was working for a missionary. I was his secretary. And at the time, we were using typewriter. Oh, the, the typewriter, you know, it would be good if uh, it was an Olivetti, you know. But this is a, one of those rough and, you know, <clears throat> so hard. 10 o'clock in the evening, just still hammering on the keys. And Mrs. Dendler came to the basement. And she had a glass of juice and some biscuits. 
Look up behind me. And I looked into her eyes. They were beaming with joy. And in my heart, something else happened. Because I felt for the first time in my life, for the first time, I felt, oh, so this is, this is what is love. Oh, 25 years old, for the first time in my life, I felt what love is. I think my, my, my parents loved me. It's just that I did not feel it. The next day, I, oh, if that is love, I'd like to do something about that too. I heard that one of my friends, the ones that, uh, the one that I was helping grow spiritually, had a flu, and so I bought a bottle of vitamin C, a bottle of juice, and uh, yeast, powdered yeast, brewer's yeast. And I went there, so I gave this offering. This is from the bottom of my heart, you know, I am full of love. <sighs> Have you felt love? God, God has a way of just bringing that to, into our hearts. So, uh, if it is empty, you know, He can fill us. Next is love is both emotional and intentional. <clears throat> uh, our scripture says that the Samaritan acted out of pity. But love is also intentional <clears throat> for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. God did not have to wait to be emotional in order to love. Sis Lewis, love is not affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good, as far as it can be obtained. Uh, this, is, this is both true and probably lacking too, in that uh, love is not just something that is intentional, you know, from the brain, from the mind. Well, we have to do it, you know, but as, and as we do it, the emotion tags along. And we see this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 39, that as Jesus was ministering to the crowd, he was healing, he was teaching. Um, <clears throat> when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. And so, you know what? Don't wait for, for the emotion uh, to come along in order to love. When it is practical for you to do, do it. When you have the chance, do it. Because as you do it, whether the feeling is there or not, the impact of love is there. You know, the command of God is love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Also love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I think it is dangerous to say that, you know, love just with your mind. Love with your heart too. 
Next is love is faithful. The Samaritan applied first aid, but he didn't stop there. He carried him on his own donkey and arranged for another to take care of him. He didn't simply leave the man like it was the next man's sole responsibility. He promised to come back and pay for his accommodation, food, and other bills. He was faithful or constant in his love. Vincent Ward studies in uh, where it is translated love never fails is actually a picture of a flower that will never fall. Love never falls. It stands in place like a flower, unlike a flower that falls. It is resistant to attacks, doubts, and dismay. It triumphs. Love is sacrificial. What did the Samaritan give up? Well, his time. He gave up the comfort. It was his taxi, the, the donkey. He gave up his taxi. Uh, he gave up some money. Maybe he was late for his appointment. The Samaritan had a little less, but he was enriched in other ways. Like having the joy and the satisfaction of saving life. The Levites, on the other hand, could only think of the the inconvenience that they would arrive late at home. That they would be ritually unclean. That it would be expensive to buy an animal for the sacrifice. The priest and Levite must have thought that caring for the half-dead man is too much an inconvenience and harden their hearts instead. Are we growing in our love by extending our resources to someone in need? Lastly, love is practical. He washed the laceration with wine. He dabbed the bruises with olive oil. He lifted the man on his donkey, walked beside him. He searched for a place that, so that the man can be cared for. He focused on meeting the need of the injured man. Next to our house, our neighbor, next to our room is another neighbor who has three little children. And uh, the three girls grew up with a wife, with a mother who now cannot be found because uh, she, was, she was into drugs and so on. So the court awarded uh, the three girls to the father. Uh, my daughter, uh, my daughters, I, had, I have two daughters. I thought that maybe one, uh, one of the projects they can do is to shampoo the hair of the three girls. Because... Uh, uh, the girls had a hard time combing the hair. And it was tough. Uh, you know, they used all kinds of shampoo, but it never worked. And so one day, you know, there's a special time 
just for washing the hair, shampooing, coconut oil, and so on, all the treatments, you know, that my daughter knew how to do, okay? And uh, after a few hours, you know, uh, the next day, the hair just looks glorious, supple, and great. Practical. But if we, we are far from people, it will be hard to love. We have to be near people. When we walk, we need to, be, we need to walk slowly so we can hear. We need to stop a long while so we can look at each other's eyes. So we can connect with our hearts. That's what the Samaritan did. He stopped long, long enough to figure out he can do something about this man, about this need. The Levites and the priests did not stop long enough to connect with their hearts. So now in uh, as application. <clears throat> Next please. Is loving the solution to the evil in the world? Sure do. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish. He started with love. And that is, you know, in a, in, in a world represented by this darkness. Even if there is only one star, one glowing star, that's enough you know, for people in the darkness to see just one good deed that you can show. What if we add another star? Or a third star? Or the fourth star? What if they see the dark skies filled with little stars? You know, there was only one star that started the gospel in India. There is power in the love that you demonstrate. That's what God used. It's what the Samaritan used. Who is it that needs love right around your neighborhood? Who is it that you need to stop? You know, next time I see you in the hallway, you watch out. I'm going to wait for you. <laughs> I'm going to talk with you. I'll make every kind of excuses so we can look eye to eye. <clears throat> Next, please. Loving the world is that for me too. Love comes from the most unexpected places like the despised Samaritan. Don't underestimate God's life in you. It really doesn't it's not really about your own heart. It's about Jesus in you. The capacity to love doesn't come from our bankrupt hearts. It comes from the riches of the life of Christ in us. You let that life flow out from you. You pray to him. Let him love through you. Next, please. 
Am I running away from loving? For if there is this part of me which is an evil door, I need forgiveness from Christ and those that I have harmed so I can also love. That's the transformation that needs to take place in the heart of an evildoer. Victim, I need Christ to deliver me from being brokenhearted and to empower me to love again. The indifferent, I need grace to engage with the pain and to love truly. Do not run away from pain. Enter it. Because it is in the entering again that we experience the healing of Christ and His grace. The lover, healer, support. I want to grow more in loving that is exceptional, unconditional, personal, emotional and intentional, faithful, sacrificial, and practical. Some of us probably need somebody to talk to. Uh, There are pastors here who can help you. Please find that time. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and God may you Uh, bring the necessary transformation in our hearts so we can truly love again. In Jesus' name, amen.